Welcome to Meeting with God. Meeting with God is the radio teaching ministry of Vertical Church in Columbus. We're in the middle of a series called The Four Pillars of Vertical Church, and today we're going to listen to the first part of a message called Pillar 3, Life in the Spirit. And I hope that as you're walking with Jesus, you're growing through life in the Spirit. As you're thinking about the four pillars, which are really the foundation of our church, this is what we're all about, the four pillars. But as we're thinking about these four pillars, there's a couple different angles we can think of them in light of. I'll say it this way. When you look at the four pillars, these are not just the four pillars, this is what leads to revival and great awakening. And my hope is that someday God is going to do, and hopefully soon, God is going to do another of his works of grace, another great awakening in our nation. Amen? That would be awesome. But also, these can be looked at, these four pillars can be looked at as four gifts. Four gifts. We think about the Word of God. We talked about this two weeks ago. The Word of God is a gift. Some people think of it as God's rule book. If that's all you're thinking of God's Word as, I would challenge that. God's Word is life. It is hope. It is the roadmap for this life in eternity. It is God's love letter to you. It is a gift. But then the Gospel of Jesus Christ, which we looked at last week, specifically God's free gift of salvation in Jesus Christ. That's a gift. That's a gift we're never a billion years from now going to be done talking about. Today we're going to look at the Spirit. This is another gift. In fact, if you think about it, the coming of the Spirit was one of the most celebrated promises of the Old Testament. It was what everyone in the Old Testament Uh, As they went through their seasons of waiting, as the prophets had said various things that God had planned for the people of God, they were waiting for a moment when the Spirit of God would not just be poured out on leaders, would not just be poured out on prophets, but that God would pour out His Spirit on everyone. It's called the democratization of the Spirit. That God's Spirit would be poured out on every one of His people. That's the year we live in now. I'm going to ask you if you have a Bible to turn with me to Galatians chapter 5. We're going to use that as our main text this morning. We're also going to be going to some other texts as well. As you're turning there, you might be thinking, you're hearing this, the title of the message is on the Holy Spirit. Well, what does the Holy Spirit do? Have you ever thought about that? I mean, I know what God the Father does. I know he's my heavenly Father. I pray to him. I I can pray the Lord's Prayer. I understand so much of what it's like to relate to my heavenly Father. And then I understand Jesus. There's four books written about his whole life. And I understand how to relate to the second person of the Trinity. But who is this Holy Spirit guy? I was thinking about some of the preconceptions, misconceptions, and stereotypes we have of the Holy Spirit. And I hope we can laugh at ourselves a little bit as we think about these things. But if we're being honest, at various times, and perhaps even this morning, as you're thinking about the ministry of the Holy Spirit, some of these might be in the back, and I I hope that God will address them. First, sometimes we, we talk about, especially if you grew up in church years and years ago, Your term for the Holy Spirit was not the Holy Spirit. It was 
the Holy Ghost. Now, I don't know who 500 years ago thought that was a great name for the Holy Spirit. Sounds like a, a sort of synonymous with a disembodied spirit where King James Version meets Halloween. The Holy Ghost. Ghosts are scary. Or maybe you think of him as the silent partner of the Trinity. He's in the shadows, unknown. He's there, but not really there. I, I think he's there. I'm not sure really, but he's, I think, he, he, I think he's there. Or maybe you've thought of him as the pseudo-Santa. Pseudo-Santa in the sense that he drops off gifts that people fight over. Okay, if you've been in the church for a while and you know about the gifts of the Spirit and the gifts of grace, sometimes Christians fight over this, just like you know your kids fight over their gifts at Christmas and they get all excited and worked up over it. Then we see him in Scripture as a dove. What is that supposed to mean? Is it harmless? Is it peaceful? Is it bland? And then one that I'll take personally. What about our misconception of the Spirit as some sort of mystical force. Now, I grew up during the era of the beginning of the Star Wars era, and I was blessed with the name Luke. Um, I remember going up to bat in Little League, and what did people tell me? Hey, Luke, go use the force. And um, so what is the Holy Spirit? Is he like some sort of superpower to do really cool things? Or maybe you're just thinking this whole concept of the Holy Spirit is confusing. I've also seen the ministry of the Spirit be potentially divisive in churches as they debate this and what the ministry of the Spirit is and isn't and what is it practically meant for the Spirit of God to work in a church and You know, here's the problem. We can functionally leave the spirit at arm's length because we're really not sure what to do. And that's one of the worst tactics that the enemy uses in the church. Now, that's clearly not what Jesus thought. Jesus didn't tell his disciples to wait in Jerusalem for something confusing or divisive. He said, wait in Jerusalem when I leave. Wait in Jerusalem until the Spirit comes on you. Something very important is going to happen. In fact, he says, don't go, don't go telling people about me. Don't be doing your missional work. I want you to wait until the Spirit comes down. So clearly, our stereotypes and preconceptions and misunderstandings and awkwardness are off. If you think of the Holy Spirit as distant, wrong, Scripture says that the Spirit is in you if you're a believer. If you think of the Holy Spirit as confusing, then where we need to go is to Scripture to get clarity. Amen? Okay, and if you think of the Spirit as passive, that's actually wrong again. The Spirit of God is very active. In fact, He's even active in this room right now. Some of us think of the Spirit as impersonal. That's completely wrong. You'll see later in the message, the Spirit of God is strongly relational. Scripture tells us that it is the Spirit of God who leads and directs the church. You can see that in Matthew 4. You can see it in Acts. The Spirit of God chooses leaders and chooses direction. Acts 13. The Spirit of God speaks 
The Spirit of God was lied to in Acts 5. The Spirit of God teaches and helps and comforts. This is the third person of the Trinity. So maybe you're asking with all that, so what is the, what is the Spirit's job description? Here it is, if you want to write it down quickly. The Spirit is our redemptive advocate. If I were to take all that the Spirit does and all of the jobs, which is so much, as I was working on the sermon this week, it was a constant week of cut that out and cut that out and cut that out. In fact, one time a couple years ago, I preached a whole series on the Holy Spirit. I think it's gonna actually hit the radio pretty soon, so if you're curious about that, you can look into that. There's so much in Scripture under the ministry of the Holy Spirit, and I'm so excited about that. But we're going to narrow it down to three particular areas under redemptive advocate. Now, the starting point really for the Holy Spirit is we're thinking about it today. Certainly, we could start in Genesis. I'm not going to start there, but I'm going to start in Ephesians 2. As we were talking last week about the gospel, in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 3, it says that you were dead in your sins. The starting point of life in the spirit for us as believers begins with you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Now, if you remember back to the garden where death started with Adam and Eve, they were dead. When they sinned, they didn't find their bodies or their corpses sitting under the tree. They were still physically alive, but again, we're a dichotomy. We are different from all the other creatures God created, which is why we are opposed to abortion, because we are not like animals. We are different. God has put his image in us. We matter to him, not just in this life, but in eternity. Now think about this. When, they, when the Adam and Eve sinned, they died spiritually. Scripture doesn't say that they were sick. It says that they were dead. That means that they were unable to respond to God appropriately. There was something in their hearts that became hardened and dead that had to be addressed. And the story of the Old Testament is God doing various things and the people essentially responding the wrong way most of the time. So what do we do with dead? Scripture says it is appointed to man once to die and then judgment. We're going to physically die, and when we physically die, we will be set in either spiritual death or spiritual life, and that's the joy of the Holy Spirit. Again, the Spirit is our advocate. Now, maybe many of us know what it's like to have a medical advocate. I'm understanding what that is, to have somebody on your side that's explaining to you what's going on and helping you to navigate a particular medical issue. We know what it's like to have a legal advocate, someone that walks me through the law and how I'm going to do it. We know what it's like to have an automotive advocate, somebody that explains what that clanking in my engine is and can fix it. We understand what it means to have an advocate, but I want to challenge you today to open your mind to understand the blessing of having the Holy Spirit as your redemptive advocate. How God is going to walk you from spiritually dead to eternity forever with him. That is the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Hi, this is Pastor Luke Aarons from Vertical Church Columbus. Did you know that these Meeting with God messages actually come from sermons given at our church home, Vertical Church Columbus? 
You know, in addition to hearing God's word proclaimed every week, you'll find a warm, loving church family of authentic followers of Jesus Christ. If you live in Columbus, Ohio, but are not currently connected to a church home, we'd love to invite you to visit us at 1290 Old Henderson Road in Columbus near the intersection of 315 and Henderson Road. Now, the story again of the Holy Spirit begins with death. I'm going to turn to a couple different passages. I'm going to go quickly to Ezekiel. If this is one of the darkest seasons in all of redemptive history, if you want to think of that. The ministry of Ezekiel, if you remember back to Nebuchadnezzar, uh, the great king of the Babylonians, uh, he had three visits to Jerusalem. All were unpleasant. And on the second trip there, Uh, He took this man named Ezekiel, who was a spiritual leader, and took him all the way to Babylon, and he would spend the rest of his life in Babylon. But God began to use Ezekiel, he began to speak to Ezekiel, and he began to speak things through Ezekiel to his people. Now, if you remember, Nebuchadnezzar's third trip to Jerusalem ended with Jerusalem being destroyed, and the temple was gone. And some of the Jews were saying, it's over. Is our God truly the God of heaven and earth, or has he completely abandoned us? It was into that moment that God spoke to Ezekiel, because the problem, the reason why they had been disciplined was because the people had rejected the Lord. Certainly, Daniel and Jeremiah were contemporaries of Ezekiel. But here's what God spoke through one of the most beautiful promises in all of Scripture. Ezekiel chapter 36 and verse 22 says, God is speaking. He says, Therefore say to the house of Israel, thus says the Lord God, it is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I am about to act, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations to which you came. And I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations and which you have profaned among them. And the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the Lord God, when through you I vindicate my holiness before their eyes. And I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and bring you into your own land. That is another beautiful promise, but it gets better. Verse 25, and he says, and I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness. From all your idols, I will cleanse you. Here it is. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. What a beautiful promise at a moment in history where Israel had completely turned its back to God and God had completely disciplined them. In this pivotal moment, God says, I'm promising you something awesome. And here it is. I'm gonna overrule your hearts of stone And I'm going to give you a heart of flesh, and here's how I'm going to do it. I'm going to give you a new heart, and I'm going to put my spirit in you. No longer will it be external of you. It will be in you, and my spirit will enable you to follow me as you've never been able to do before. Let me fast forward to one of the most, probably the most famous chapters in all of scripture, John chapter three, many of you could quote John three sixteen, one of the most beautiful verses. 
But I want to read right before that. Jesus is talking to Nicodemus. He says, Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, and a man came to Jesus by night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. But what does that mean? Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit. What did we just talk about in Ezekiel? I'm going to cleanse you with water. I'm going to put my spirit on you. It says, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it is going. So is everyone who is born of the spirit. Now last week we talked about the gospel If I were to continue reading this chapter, we would come to, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. What it's describing there is what God does when he puts his love on us. When he puts his love on us, he makes our hearts new. And he puts his spirit in us. This is what it means to have a redemptive advocate within you. What it means to have life within yourself Let's look here quickly. I'm going to do this in Galatians. If you, I hope you're there. You're like, is he ever going to get to Galatians? The answer is yes. Sometime in the next 25 minutes. I want to look quickly at three primary roles. Again, so much more could be said about the Holy Spirit. Galatians chapter 5. I'm going to begin reading in verse 25. It says, if we live by the Spirit... Let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Now I want you to see three things. Here it is. It's only even just in the first half of the verse. He says, if we live by the Spirit. It's conditional. If we live by the Spirit. Now he's indicating to the Galatians, you are living by the Spirit. You are believers. But he puts that in there just to remind them, if you are not If the life of the Spirit is not in you, whatever else I'm going to say after this doesn't matter. It doesn't apply to you because you don't have the Holy Spirit in you. He says, if we live by the Spirit, what does that mean? What does it mean to live by the Spirit? What it means is that we are given, instead of a dead, spiritually dead heart, like Ezekiel talked about, we're given a new heart. We're reborn of the Spirit, as Jesus described. In fact, when he was talking to Nicodemus, and he's like, why don't you get this? It wasn't like he was playing games with Nicodemus. He was saying, Nicodemus, you've read Ezekiel, and you've read Ezekiel, and you've read Ezekiel, and you've memorized. This is what I'm talking about. You need this. You need this now, and you're going to have the opportunity to have this. To live by the Spirit is to have a new heart and spirit because of the Holy Spirit. If you've ever cried out or ever had a moment like this where you felt like, have you ever felt like this? I'm never going to be able to change. And you have a particular habit or sin area, and you're like, I'll never be able to change. Or, I'm never going to be good enough for someone, or more importantly, for God. 
God would love to take that cry of desperation and meet you by putting his spirit in you and changing you. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you have the ability to change. You have the ability to live right. Not in your own capacity, but you have the, you have the ability of what Jesus has done for you made possible by his work on the cross to be applied to you by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the ultimate reset, the ultimate rebirth. It's the ultimate gift experience. Jot this down here. Three things that the Holy Spirit does. Life in the Spirit. What does that mean, Pastor? What does that mean? Life in the Spirit means we are made alive by the Spirit. We are born again and sealed. If you're still doubting me a little bit, I'm not sure about Luke. I'm not sure about this whole life in the Spirit. Are you sure those two terms go together? Yes, I am. Romans chapter 8, verse 2 says, For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Verse 6, For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. Then verse 9, But you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if in fact the spirit of God dwells in you then listen carefully. If anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. Now look up here for a minute. If you say that the spirit, I'm not sure if I have the spirit of God, what you're really saying is I'm not sure if I'm a Christian. Because if you're a Christian, right here this verse says, then the Holy Spirit is in you. If you're trusting Jesus Christ for salvation, if you've put your faith in him, if you have found forgiveness of sins at the cross of Jesus Christ, you have the Holy Spirit. Now, he may be sitting in the corner, he may be in the closet locked up, but he's there. If anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, if you ever wondered why people say, well, Jesus is in you, how does that happen? It happens by the Holy Spirit. But if Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. If you've been to a funeral lately and you're grieving, if that person was a believer in Jesus Christ, the day is going to come with the spirit of God because of what the spirit has done. That person's going to be given a resurrection body just like Jesus was. If you've never embraced Jesus Christ by faith, I would tell you don't leave this place without it. Don't do life without Jesus and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. I would love to talk to you about that. But I want to transition to another part of what it means to be made alive by the Spirit. In Ephesians chapter 1, as Paul is describing what happens in us when we are changed, he says in verse 13 of chapter 1, In him, Jesus, in Christ, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. What does that mean? What that means is that if the Spirit of God is in you, that's the brand mark or the seal. You belong to God. You don't even belong to yourself anymore. You certainly don't belong to the enemy or anything that he could claim on you. You belong 
to Jesus Christ. So think about this back in the day. If you were a rancher in Texas, I guess Texas is on my mind. Uh, there were a lot of people in there trying to remind me of what Texas chili was all about last night. And um, especially those women that were speaking in Southern accents. It, it was out of control last night. But um, think about that. What they do in Texas. How do they determine whose cattle belong to who? They get a hot iron put it on there, and that is a, a mark that that animal will carry for the rest of its life, that it belongs to someone. Now, in a much more glorious way, when the Holy Spirit is in you, you are sealed. You belong to Jesus Christ. If Jesus Christ were to return today, he's going to look for those who have the brand mark of the Holy Spirit. You're secure. You're safe. You can't lose the seal. You are sealed. You have assurance that the Spirit of God is in you. Some of us may struggle with assurance of salvation, of being sealed. I'm just telling you what God's Word says. Thank you so much for listening to Meeting with God, the radio ministry of Vertical Church in Columbus, Ohio. We hope you were encouraged in your own relationship with Jesus Christ today. If you would like to hear other messages from Pastor Luke Aarons, please subscribe to our Vertical Church Columbus podcast. There you will find an extensive collection of sermons from Vertical Church worship services and other unique content from Pastor Luke, which will enrich your faith and point you to Christ. You can find the podcast by searching Vertical Church Columbus wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks so much for spending part of your day with us. As always, we hope you'll join us here tomorrow at the very same time for your meeting with God. Meeting with God is the teaching ministry of Vertical Church Columbus. For more information, go to verticalchurch.life.